Welcome to the F1 Stop Show. I'm your host, Sam Oni, and with me is Wes Fearman. Wes, how are you this evening? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Had a long and busy weekend because it was basically four days of non-stop cricket, pretty much. Um, and then, yeah, sat down to, to to watch the Monaco Grand Prix earlier today, but which sort of sent me to sleep a little bit. But <laughs> I'm all good, folks. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, thank you. I mean, the football season is o- the football season oh, is yeah. over, so no football. <laughs> but more Grand Prix, more Formula One, and uh, Monaco. Yep, we had the Monaco Grand Prix, didn't we? And I yeah, can that, say you can certainly say that <laughs> there was there was a say, there was some cars going round a track. <laughs> yeah. And I can say it was, well, rain, Monaco equals a spectacular race for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> oh, I do. Well, yeah, I wonder where you're going then. Because <laughs> I remember I was, I was watching the Channel 4 highlights and pretty much it, it was hammering it down with rain when they initially went to start the race behind the safety car. Um on the formation that's they dove into the pits and postponed the start until I think it pretty much stopped raining. But yeah, the track was a bit wet. Um yeah, there wasn't any more rain and surely you must think that the, the wet tires that Pirelli have, surely they can and Monaco isn't a fast track, but I guess you got the safety risks with all the walls and so on, which I I can guess why they postponed. I I can understand why they postponed it, but a little bit annoying because I think if they had started in that torrential rain then we could have maybe got a more interesting race but obviously safety of the drivers and, and the marshals and spectators obviously comes first so but yeah it once we, the race actually got underway I mean you might you might as well have just not bothered watching for the first like 17 laps or so because it was just so dull and it was I remember watching it and the cars just seemed to be going around the track just so slowly and yeah, I get they're on full wet tyres on, on a wet track and Monaco is a slow track anyway um, it, it was just like what is the point in watching this you've paid however many, probably thousands of pounds let's be honest, to go and sit in the grandstands at Monaco and you're not seeing any overtaking the cars are going I don't know, eighty percent the speed, or probably even less than that. Actually, what they would normally go around Monaco, and it, it just was not worth watching for that. For that, for those first sort of fifteen to twenty laps, it was pretty typical Monaco. I think. Yeah, and um, during those first twenty laps, we didn't really see much other than Pierre Gasly in the AlphaTauri. He was trying to get past one or two drivers. Mm. Um, one of his victims was uh, McLaren's Daniel Ricciardo, which I thought was a pretty good overtake. Yeah, he made two overtakes, Pierre Gasly, around Monaco, which is, I think those were the only two overtakes I saw the whole Grand Prix. Yeah. On lap 13 and 14, where he, he overtook Guan Yuzhou first. I can't remember whereabouts on track. Um and then yeah, it might have been Raskas. I can't remember the last, the last um, sort of chicane, if you like, or the last double right hander. And then yeah, overtook Ricardo as well. 
Um, I can't remember where he finished, Gasly. I don't see the points. I don't think so. Um, yeah, those were the only two on-track overtakes that, that I saw throughout watching the whole of the Channel 4 highlights. Um, which, I mean, the it plus just, side is... It just shows it, you can't overtake in Monte Carlo. Exactly. Or how right. hard it is. At least we got to actually see them this time, rather than last year where they had the... <laughs> oh, we've got Gasly going around the outside of Vettel. Oh, but Lance Stroll's going over some curbs. Let's watch, let's watch that instead. We actually, <laughs> actually got to see the overtakes, so... That that was a, a plus point from this year's Monaco TV direction, but yeah, besides that, that was pretty much the only action for the first like third of the race, pretty much yeah. third quarter to a third of the race, and yeah, at that point in time, I, I would have been wanting a refund <laughs> if I was in the stands. So, can we pretty much say that after Pierre Gasly's overtake, things got a bit? How do I say it? Not great, just mm. chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say chaotic? Yeah. Yeah, probably, yeah, probably go with that. Yeah. <laughs> right, because we had some we had some crashes as well in the barriers, most notably Mick Schumacher. Now, if you're Gunter Steiner, you wouldn't want to. I mean, if you're Gunter Steiner, you must be what fed up, annoyed. Because if your drivers are just crashing at, at one track and another almost two or three times, it's going to get a bit annoying. And also, F1 and budget and budget costs, they're not looking great. Yeah, I think Mick Schumacher had an issue in qualifying as well, or, or practice, or certainly a session earlier on in the weekend where he spun trying to go into the pit lane as well. Um, yeah, that crash it was sort of slightly reminiscent of Roman Grosjean's crash in Bahrain Sakia, where basically the the back half of the car just sort of got all ripped off, and obviously it, it was a much lower speed crash, being Monaco and not Bahrain. But even so, you're mm. just thinking that is a horrific looking crash, and thankfully he, he was okay, got out of the car quite quickly. I say quite quickly. It felt quite a long time watching, watching the height because they were just stuck on this one shot where of of the swimming pool section where it crashed, and one of the grandstands was sort of blocking the view of the car um, for what did feel like quite a while, and it, it took a while for the radio to come up um, for Schumacher to say that, that he was fine. Um, and it, it, it took a long time to get that race stopped as well because they had they had the VSC for quite a while a good few minutes and then obviously full safety car after that but with the the, the, ba- the barrier was completely destroyed and you had half the car buried in in the armco and it took way too long for race control to to red flag and stop the race and it's, it's a good job they did in the end i suppose but it's, yeah that's not the best race direction i think I we haven't there have been a few issues already this year. Thankfully, not as many as last year, but yeah, it's still not great. The the race direction that that should have been red flagged immediately, rather than waiting. I think it was close to ten minutes to get to actually stop the race and and make sure Schumacher was safe. The, all the um, stewards, officials, not mechanics, but recovery people could actually get the car to, to safety and protect them as well because 
even though the cars and the safety car, they're still it's not exactly slow, it's still 30, 40, 50 mile an hour, which can cause serious harm if one of the cars goes spinning yeah. off. And we don't want another situation like what happened to Jewel Bianchi as well. Um Yeah, not not the best display of, of the weekend that from from race control. Yeah. And uh, hopefully Haas can find a way to stop crashing in races and try and finish <laughs> them, you know, within the set within the set time. Because uh this is what, the second, third time we've seen a Haas car crashing out of a race? I think so, yeah. Yeah, there there, there have been a few this year for sure, yeah. I know Magnuson's got a few points and on the whole drove pretty well, but you know, they they have had a couple of retirees and yeah, they're one of the teams with probably one of the lowest budgets in Formula One, especially now that they've had to bin off your alkalized their sponsors, so they've got even less money. Um but yeah, if I were Steiner I'd be glad that the driver's okay, first and foremost, but yeah, you'd be looking around the back of the sofa for a few pennies if, if I was <laughs> Now Now to the interesting part. Lap 22, Monaco, Ferrari, Ferrari pit stop, Carlos Sainz comes in, on for slick tyres, the track is starting to dry up, and uh, all's going well for Ferrari, you know, Carlos Sainz is almost breathing on Sergio Perez's neck of the Red Bull, but then, Charlotte Claire comes in. Into the pit stop, and uh, it caught Ferrari. It caught the Ferrari garage off guard, almost because uh, they wanted him to stay out, and uh, I can say it didn't go so well. No, because I think Red Red Bull successfully double stacked. I think pretty much on the on the same lap as Ferrari, wasn't it? Um, yeah, because they had Perez coming first for. I can't remember, or, or they pitted them before slick tyres for Inters. Um, but yeah, Carlos Sainz wanted to stay out on the wet tyres until it was dry enough to fully transition to slicks. Um, I can't remember if Leclerc pitted for Inters. I know I, I know quite a few drivers did, and one of the back, it might, it might be one of the Alpha Towers was one of the first to pit for slicks and. He almost the, lost it. The intermediate ones are the green ones, aren't they? Yeah, they're the green ones, yeah. I can't I, I think it was after or it might have been Ricardo. I can't remember. Pitted for hard tires. Um and then yeah, as you say on lap twenty two, Ferrari just had they just had a shocker of a pit stop because you had Charles Leclerc pretty much halfway down the pit lane and then you hear on the radio, no, stay out, stay out. And it's just like you completely cock that up cocked up his, his race win on his home Grand Prix where no, he, where he no, hasn't no. he hasn't finished the last five Monaco races he's raced at in Formula 1 and Formula 2 I don't think he's seen the flag this was the first time he's seen the chequered flag at a Monaco Grand Prix Charles Leclerc um, yeah Red Bull got it pretty much spot on I know there were a few questions about whether they managed to keep it keep it inside the pit exit um, it's sort of inside that yellow line. I know Perez, I think, was investigated for it and obviously didn't get penalised. Same with Verstappen. Um, from what I saw, I think both were fine. Only just, though, it was quite slippery on 
um, on, in, on the inside of Sandivot. Um, yeah, if you're Ferrari, you're just thinking, we completely ballsed it up. We have cost Charles Leclerc a, um, a chance to get back at Verstappen in the championship and for, for Ferrari themselves a chance to get back at Red Bull in the, in the Constructors' Championship, but also a driver to win his home Grand Prix. You're just taking race, that away yeah. from him. And Charles, yeah, at the end of the race, Charles Leclerc was understandably quite angry on the radio. Um, I know I'd be pretty pissed off if I was him in that position because you, you get told to come in, or you see your teammate come in, you've been told you're going to double stack, and then as soon as you get into the pit lane, no, stay out. It's just, yeah, complete mayhem from Ferrari. And it's not the first time they've balls that pit strategy it's happened quite a few times over the last few years um yeah hopefully for ferrari fans anyway they'll they'll get it right in baku i mean hopefully it it probably won't rain in baku for starters that'll make things a little bit easier um yeah i'd I'd be pretty angry if i was Leclerc in that situation so so ferrari's loss was red bulls and more importantly sergio perez's game because, oh, I'd, you'd love to be Sergio Perez, wouldn't you? Because I think he's having quite a, I think he's having quite a tough time at Red Bull. When I say tough, I don't mean not like, I don't mean like difficulties with the car, but I just mean the expectation of being that second driver, you know. But I think he's taken it quite well especially with this win in Monaco. Yeah, 100%. I think he's he's actually doing very well. I think he's only six points off Charles Leclerc in the Drivers' Championship now, which is, yeah, I know. If, if you said that at the start of the season, you'd be thinking, there's no way Perez will be in this championship fight, and yet he's, he's finding himself in that fight because he's he's so consistent. And yeah, it's, it's only his third race win. He's, he's second for Red Bull. But he deserved that win, I feel, that Definitely. last weekend. and. He qualified, Definitely. qualified really, really well. Qualified third. Yeah, it was behind both Ferraris, but he was just had so much pace in that week. He said fastest lap, fastest lap. Um, can't remember if he got the bonus point fast lap. But no, he might have gone to Norris actually. I think. Um, yeah, he was. He was, I suppose, in a way, in the right position at the right time after Ferrari's pit stop. But he just drove a, a brilliant, brilliant race and completely faultless really from Perez and I don't think you can say that too much about him over the last few years or so he, he has made mistakes with Red Bull I think at, I mean, at, at Spa he was in a points paying position and then spun out whilst they buy the safety car so lost out on points there when it was pouring down with rain um, yeah just a, a brilliant brilliant drive and yeah now becomes the most successful Mexican Formula 1 driver of all time after the uh, I was going to say after, no, he's, he's overtaken Pedro Rodriguez, um, who won twice, I think they said on commentary, in 1967 and 1970. Um, so yeah, a, a brilliant, brilliant achievement for him. And yeah, I just want to see him on the top step of the podium more often because he he deserves it, does, does Checo. Um, and yeah, that, that sort of tag of being Red Bull's second driver has not, not boded well over the last few years. And when you think back to... Gasly and, and Albon both ditched fairly quickly and Perez has come in and he's doing all right, I think. Understandably, Red Bull's 
focuses on Verstappen, but you can't deny that Perez has done a pretty solid job so far this year. What do you think Perez needs to do to be to be in that drivers world world uh, world drivers championship fight? I mean, I know he has to win races, but I mean, yeah, what does he have to do? Because he's putting in all these performances, but then he's not getting a lot of recognition because everyone is thinking, oh, this is definitely Verstappen versus Leclerc. The Mexican is now six points behind Leclerc now. Yeah, exactly. I think he pretty much is in that is in that championship battle, but if him to sort of make more of an... I think Max gets all the headlines because... He's young, he's an aggressive driver, he won the World Championship in controversial circumstances, youngest race winner, etc, etc. But Perez has been a great servant to F1, he's been racing for, it must be his at least 10th year, if not longer, I think I'm pretty sure it's longer than 10 years now he's been in Formula 1. Um, yeah, he's he's been, uh, been part of a midfield team for a long time, and this is his first sort of proper outing in a front-running team. I know he he had a year at McLaren in twenty thirteen, I think, which didn't didn't end up too well for him. But yeah, he just needs to just keep this consistency up, keep on the same level of pace as Verstappen, out qualifying Verstappen, um, just keep getting consistent podiums for him to be on the same level of Verstappen, at least in terms of sort of exposure and media media coverage. Um, yeah, I I think he's doing a pretty solid job and. That just shows that he's only six points behind Charles Leclerc. I don't know Leclerc's had a, a couple of bad races in Imola and obviously this weekend in Monaco, and I think there was one other as well where he's off the podium. Spain, I think. Yeah, Spain, he, he retired. Of course he did. Um, which obviously, yeah, helps Ribble massively. Um, yeah, Perez is just, just sort of chipping away at Leclerc rather than someone like Verstappen who's won every race is well not 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 anymore obviously but up to up to this weekend of won every race is finished rather than big chunks of 25 25 25 points Perez is just just chipping away at Charles Leclerc and I'm hoping for him to be in in this championship fight right till the end of the season because it, it would be a bit boring just to have another two-way driver battle yeah. as it has been for as probably as, as many years as I can remember um no, it went back, went down to a few drivers. I think in 2010, 2012, there were a few drivers up for it. Um, it's just nice to have another driver's name into that that championship battle rather than two drivers essentially Verstappen and Leclerc. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to see how the season pans out. Staying with the Mexican, it was announced today that Sergio Perez had signed a new contract with Red Bull so he'll be staying with the Austrian based team until 2024 hopefully I mean hopefully I don't want to jinx it but remember what happened to Carlos Sainz a few races back in Australia yeah that's a good point actually. I'll just leave it there <laughs> yeah hopefully he doesn't end up on the same sort of downward curve of, as, as, as Sainz did where yeah you had a Poor run of what three races, I think, science and was he back in second place uh, this weekend? But yeah, I think that's that's a, a pretty good sign from Red Bull because 
when you think of the talent that they've got in their driver program, you still got Pierre Gasly there. You still got Alex Albon. Yeah, I know he's driving for Williams, but they're still linked. Has links with Red Bull. Um, you got the drivers in F2. You got Yuki Tsunoda. There's a lot of drivers that they could bring up. And if I was Pierre Gasly, I'd be thinking, surely it's it's time for me to have another go. But yeah, Checo is, <clears throat> as as we've just said, driven pretty solidly the last. Well, you, well, season, season and a bit now, I suppose. Um, and yeah, he fully, fully deserves it. And yeah, it's, I don't know if it's, if it's surprising it came so, so soon after Monaco or not. But yeah, until the end of 2024. And if if he doesn't get a, a contract extension renewal after that, then that could be the end of, of his career. And maybe they do bring up someone like a, a Gasly, a Sonoda, someone like that, promote them back up to Red Bull and Albon, maybe. Um, yeah, fully, fully deserved for, for Checo, and yeah, pleased for him. So that was so that was the top end of the of the race with Red Bull and Ferrari. Going down to the midfield pack, just uh, some honourable mentions: Lando Norris getting P six from McLaren, George Russell again, consistent. Finishing in fifth place. What do you make of the What do you make of the British pair? I mean, yeah, Russell is still still not finished lower than P five in any of the what, seven races now. I think we're in. Um, and yeah, Norris has got back to back pretty good. Uh, finished did he get a fifth place in Spain? Was it no, an eighth place? Um, so he's still vastly outperforming Ricardo, which. There's a little bit of a worry for McLaren that Ricardo's still not quite firing yet. Um, yeah, for, for Norris, I mean, to get eighth in Spain with tonsillitis and to come back a, a week later and get a, a solid result in qualifying, get sixth place and fastest lap as well, um, is is a pretty good effort. And yeah, Russell was. I think he's. I think he's close to being in that, in that championship fight as well, almost. He got 80, 84 points, so a little bit behind Checo Perez, but and yeah, just solid, solid performances from from both of them. And yeah, the the more they're in, in those sort of fifth, sixth place, then the better, I think. So, Monaco, how would you rate it out of ten? We've had <laughs> rainfall, we've had a few crashes into barriers, we've had some pretty good saves with the cars as well, Carlos Sainz towards the end. And we've had some pit stop mess ups. Yes, I'm talking about you, Ferrari. Yes. <laughs> so, how'd you rate the race out of ten? Um, I still wouldn't rate it that highly, given I only saw two on track overtakes. Um, so the pit stop, the pit stop stuff did give it a bit of extra spiciness, if you like. Um, but even in, even in the dying laps of the race, where you had Alex Jackson, David Coulthard, Mark Webb were just trying to sort of build up the excitement of it you could just tell that none of the driver you couldn't you could tell that science for Staffan and Leclerc they just weren't getting past Perez because there is just no place to overtake in Monaco you just can't the cars are too wide and they're just they've been getting wider for what seems like ages now um I'd probably give it if I was being generous I'd probably give it a four but I'm probably going to give it a three instead just two on track overtakes from what from what I saw, I mean, there might have been more. Yeah. I don't know, but I only saw two, and 
yeah, the 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 rest of the race besides pit stops was pretty bog standard Monaco driving around a track for two hours <laughs> with no overtaking. Four out of ten. Three three out of ten. <laughs> I said it if, oh, if I was being generous of all, but I'm not being generous. <laughs> um right. How do you rate the race out of ten? Uh, well I think I'd give it a four out of ten. Maybe I'm being a bit too generous, like you said. Um, the pit stop was quite an eye-opener. I think that was almost the only thing that, you know, got people off their seats. And um, nice to see Sergio Perez on the top step of a podium. So, yeah, four out of ten. Right, final question. Monaco. Should it be on the calendar next year? Yes <laughs> I or knew no? This is coming. Um, Taking into account just everything about it. Yeah, I know it's 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 a great spectacle. You can't deny that. And from a driver's perspective, it is probably the most challenging race because it is so tight and twisty and bumpy and narrow that one mistake and and you're gone. Um, whereas other tracks like Paul Ricard, for example, with massive runoff areas. Um, it's a lot less of a challenge um, if you're in the grandstands I'm sure it's great just, just for the atmosphere and the noise more than anything but as a spectator watching it back on TV it's just it's not good to watch and yeah the with regulations is changing the cars and getting wider and heavier it's just going to make it worse and worse and worse for racing um, so yeah I mean it will be on the calendar next year but I think the sooner we got rid of Monaco or go back to narrow cars and smaller cars, that would do the trick potentially, but that's not going to happen. So my, I mean, my heart says, no, let's ditch Monaco, but head says 100% being on the calendar for next year and, and many number of years to come, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I've got one answer for you. No. <laughs> no. Nope, Get rid. Nope. <laughs> That's it. So um, we've come to the end of another episode of the F1 Stop Show. Um, oh, another thing. The Azerbaijan Grand Prix is the next race in the F1 on the F1 calendar. I believe it's June 10 to June 12. Yep. Couple of weeks. So time. in a few weeks, yeah, a few weeks time. Hopefully, we won't have a. Hamilton lock up <laughs> from last year, but we'll save that for next time. Don't worry. So, um, yeah, I've been your host, Sam Oney, and uh, also do remember to follow us on on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and you can also email us as well at f1stopshow at gmail.com. So, I've been your host, and it's a goodbye from me. Bye bye, and it's a goodbye from Wes. Bye bye. And we hope you have a lovely week.